it's past time to broaden the narrative. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Broadening the Narrative. This is a podcast where I talk to some of my favorite people who have broadened the narrative for me. I'm your host, Nikki Pappas, and I'm so glad you're here. On today's episode of Broadening the Narrative, I am joined by my friend Marquise Love. We will be discussing life as an artist and the grave robbers community. I just want to say that Marquise is one of my favorite people because he reminds me so much of Jesus. Marquise radiates kindness and brings together an eclectic group of people who feel seen and safe with him. So thank you, Marquise, for welcoming me into the Grave Robbers community and providing encouragement as I've stepped out of my comfort zone. Thank you. Oh, man, that was that was beautiful. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I mean it. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've never heard anybody say that. Oh that I reminded them of, of Jesus in, in that sense, you know, like I've heard people say that I'm, I'm kind, you know, and so on and so forth. But man, that, wow. That, wow. I don't even, I'm at a loss for words now. <laughs> oh, well, no, from the first time that I came on to a open mic night for the grave robbers community, I was just crying as I saw oh. the people that just seemed to, come to you. And it just reminds me of all the people who came to Christ. And wow. so, is, wow, man, what a responsibility I had. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, well, let's jump in. Can you tell okay. us a little about yourself and your background? Sure. Okay. So my name is Marquise Love and I'm an artist, poet, rapper, singer, etc. And um, I come from a, a small town outside of Atlanta, Georgia, called Lithia Springs. Um, I'm the only poet and artist in my family. Um, creative expression wasn't really a thing in my household unless it was done in church. And even that was restricted to like singing gospel hymns and liturgical dance and so on. So I wouldn't say that I was raised in the church, but my family went to church every Sunday out of religious obligation. <laughs> but we were very much worldly six days out of the week. So I, I guess like I said, I was raised by people that believed in Jesus and lottery tickets. Like the presence of both in my upbringing kind of helped me to understand that faith itself is a gamble. So like we believe in God with the hope of heaven and we believe in ourselves in the hope of disabling our internal doubts. And those elements, including religion, remain a central part of my work to this day. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. Yeah. So you mentioned about um, creative expression. Mm -hmm. So that might kind of lead into the narrative uh, about being an artist and creating art. What was the narrative you were taught about artists and creating art? Ooh, so I was I was given a very a very narrow minded, uh, ill informed narrative. I was taught that uh, art and creating art should be done only one way. Um, like there was no room for, for freedom. I was taught that there is no variation in creativity. And oddly enough, I was taught that there should be no creativity in creation, if that makes sense. Um, so for a long time, I connected art with, on, you know, with the same conveyor belt mentality that our education system functions with that if, if it doesn't look or sound like this, then it's not right. 
but um, this perspective or narrative was taught to me by people who didn't understand creativity or what it means to step outside the box. And these people uh, lack the freedom to create and be themselves. So um, I guess I had to go against the grain to understand what the true narrative of uh, of an art, you know, of, of art or creativity should be, you know, and kind of finding my own narrative or defining it for myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So what prompted you to start creating art? Hmm. So what's okay. What's funny about, about that is that, um, like when you're a kid, you don't really know <laughs> that you, that you're doing anything artistic. Like it's usually, I guess the adults that like kind of pinpoint those things like, okay, uh, yeah. you know, like, oh, he draws well, you know, that's, oh, you, you're artsy. You're, like they, they put the label on it for you. But as a child, you just, you know, you're just enjoying what it is you're doing. So I guess I would say my earliest memories of even wanting to do anything artistic. Um, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I, I remember this. I was about three or four. And um, I would sit in uh, front of my mom's boombox. I had a, a young mother and I would uh, listen to the radio like every evening. And um, in Atlanta, they had this um, they had DJs that would, you know, come on in the evening, like six o'clock or whatever. And they would, you know, put on this mix. And a lot of it included, you know, uh, artists from Atlanta. And this particular day I was listening to this song called Hear What I Hear. And it was by an Atlanta artist called Kilo Ali. He was a rapper from Atlanta. And um, I remember the song being so sample heavy and having so many moving parts that I actually began to see what I was hearing. Like I could visualize like the sound. And that's how I perceived sound since then as like pictures and images. So when I started writing songs and poems of my own, my verses would always be filled with imagery. And being that I could actually see this, the things that I was hearing, it helped me to be um, more descriptive in my lyrics. And what made me want to create was this uh, desire to bring people into that world, you know, that existed in my mind. I wanted them to see the images that I was seeing. I wanted to almost share, you know, that with them, if that makes sense. That's really cool and really beautiful. And to be able to <laughs> bring people into that. I love that. Thank you. Um, so what type of art do you create? Ooh, so I dabble in everything. Um, my first intro to art was through music. So rap music in particular, which I love dearly. Um, so through rap music, I discovered poetry and particularly spoken word. Um, rap also introduced me to visual art. Um, when I was younger, I would record, um, <laughs> I would record my little, uh, rap mixtapes or whatever, and try to hand them out in Atlanta. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's, and what was funny about it, I was, I didn't, I didn't have any idea about like, I didn't know, um, I didn't have any graphic design background or nothing like that. I'm just a kid, like, you know, recording songs, burning them to a CD, and then I would hit the streets and hand them out to people. And I remember I was using a little label maker machine. And, uh, and yeah. when I, I remember, like, I started, I was getting laughed at, like, every time I walk up to somebody and it'd be like, you know, I tell them all about myself. And then I'd be like, yeah, so check out my music. And I would hand them the CD with this, like, these labels on it. It's like they would laugh at me. So, I, um, one of my buddies, 
<laughs> one of my buddies was like, yeah, I got I got this thing. I got this thing called Photoshop. You know, I'm going to teach you how to use it, you know. And he taught me like a few little basic things. And um, from then I began to create my own album art. Like a lot of it in the beginning was horrible, but it's just I, I kept at it. And um, from there, I started experimenting with like different forms of like digital art um line art um digital collage photo editing and manipulation and uh most recently i've been experimenting with digital collage art and i'm a fan of this art form and those that do it and i've been having so much fun doing it um i think mostly because digital i mean uh digital collage or just collage art in general reminds me so much of rap music it reminds me of hip-hop because it's taking things that you know that existed, you know, that already exists, you know, and finding a deeper beauty within those things and creating something brand new, almost unrecognizable, you know, to people that may be familiar with uh, what existed before. And to me, that's what rap music is, is something that literally comes out of things that have been forgotten. You know what I mean? And so because of the two being so similar, like that's what's drawing me most recently. Yeah, and I got to see some of your digital collage on the last open mic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? And, yeah, just the commentary of those pieces, very striking to to sit with and behold that. But isn't that still pretty new for you? Very new. Um, yeah. Well, I would say this, the 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 this particular the art form yeah is very new to me um however once i started you know creating like you know these these pictures and you know this this art or whatever i i noticed how familiar it was as well like it gotcha. it reminded me so much just you know like i said it reminded me so much of hip hop but it also reminded me of everything that i had learned leading up um to digital collage it was like you know oh I've, i feel like i've done this before but it was you know it's just it, it's its own thing so it's fairly new to say you know say the least yeah well so i guess in addition to music and rap who or what has inspired you as an artist and how Ooh, so so it's so many different things and so many different people like i'm i'm inspired by thinkers um, I'm inspired by those who create to enlighten or draw attention to a particular cause. And I'm also um, inspired by those that create because they have uh, they've acknowledged that creativity is a privilege and a freedom for everyone. And um, that to, to me, when I hear them talk or when I hear those people speak or when I'm experiencing those different things, it almost it almost gives me permission, you know, to create from my true self. And that's that's inspiration within itself. But as far as people, I've I've been inspired by uh, Saul Williams, um, who was a poet, uh, writer, and actor. Andre Three Thousand, rapper, poet, musician. Just he's an extraordinary visual artist as well. Um, and Janelle Monae, who is a um, who is a, a artist, uh, actress, and um, singer, just to name a few. Um, one thing that binds these artists together. Um, the reason why they inspire, inspire me is um, they use this element of Afrofuturism in their art, mm -hmm. which I absolutely love. So I'm a fan of uh, sci-fi um, and I absolutely love black history, black culture, black people. 
So the two combined is perfect. <laughs> so quick backstory. She, um, Janelle Monae, um, her, because of her music, like it almost got me fired um, from the, um, the, the store I was working. I used to work at. <laughs> I used to work really? at. Uh, yes, because this is, all right. So this is what we used to do. Like I used to work at this, um, this CD store in Atlanta. I used to sell music and just entertainment stuff. And we would get these corporate would send these um these sample discs like you know from new artists that were coming out they would send these you know sample discs and everything and um they would if how can i put it if if uh a lot of the times we were supposed to be playing that stuff in the store you know but the managers that i had didn't want to play it so i remember mm -hmm. going you know rummaging through the um you know through the cds that corporate had sent and i saw um this thing called much probably sweet and i was like what in the world is this so i played it and oh my god like the intro is you know to her project is her you know pretty much um you know making an announcement for all the hunters you know within metropolis that are tracking down you know androids and this one of the androids her name is cindy mayweather which is you know janelle monet and it was so cold like the way that she intro the you know the whole experience is like she brings you into metropolis she lets you know what's happening to the androids in metropolis and immediately you know that it's a double meaning like she's actually not talking mm. about you know robots but she's actually talking about people and you know with more of the things that she's come out with recently it's letting you know that she's talking about marginalized people she's yeah. talking about the lgbtq community she's talking about you know everybody that you know is being literally physically hunted you know what i mean by the higher ups and just to hear like you know even in metropolis that there's a resistance going on and how much it looks like america and i fell in love and the reason i said it almost got me fired is because i think it was a um a customer that wanted to come that came in and um heard us playing it and wanted to buy the cd um from us and I told her that we didn't have it, that it was just something that was being played in all the stories. And uh, like my manager was so upset with me, but I refused to let that CD go. I actually ended up taking it home. So uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> also, how would you say creating art has shaped your life personally? So personally, um, let's see. I I come from I come from a people, I guess I could say this. I come from a people that never truly searched for an outlet as it pertains to like coping with life, like the traumas that we deal with, pains, joys, et cetera. And the way that I, you know, coped, I found music, poetry and art and all of this in my formative years. So, and I thank God for that because if I hadn't, you know, crime would have found me, violence would have found me um, and addiction was almost indefinite. Um, but as a kid, I, I found, you know, this, this, this outlet, which that's exactly what it was then. It wasn't meant to be more than that. It was just me writing because I, you know, I didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't want to fight. I didn't want to be in the streets, but I needed to get this aggression out. I needed to get this anger out. I needed to figure out a way to get it out in a healthy way. So I started writing and, um, I had a way of expressing my feelings and angers and frustrations without it being censored or dictated because of how intimate and personal uh, art was. So I guess you could say that art shaped my life by saving my life. And um, since then, like, you know, just 
I've had more opportunities than I've ever dreamed. I've been awarded for my art. I've been uh, invited to speak in front of audiences with artists and writers who whose uh, careers have like lapped mine like three times over. And all of this from a decision, you know, to simply pick up a pen, you know, to try to do something different with my life. So to me, that's how creating art has shaped my life. Say, I wish I had known younger you to get your CDs that you were burning <laughs> and distributing <laughs> with your with your uh, homemade designs and then photoshopped designs. I just oh, I wish I had those. But I also had no idea you've won some awards. So can we talk about that? Yeah. Um. Let's see. So one of my favorite stories that I love to tell, like um. I didn't really start winning anything until I moved um, to North Carolina or South Carolina. Um, but one of my favorite stories to tell is um, when I won um, the York 2015 um, York County Art Society um, Literary Award. Wow. Um, yeah, for poetry. It was so it was so cool. So I had just found out about it, um, I think, a few days before the deadline. And... I remember I had taken my, like, to register, it was like $15, and I had taken my last 15 bucks, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go up here, and I'm going to, you know, hand it in or whatever along with this poem that I had written. A little bit before that, before I went to this place, I, I, um, I, I had gone downtown Charlotte, I mean, uptown Charlotte, to, um, what is the name of that park? Uh, Romare Bearden and I was I was walking around the park and I remember I had given this um this guy some change and I was I was so moved by his expression like you know when I gave him the change it was almost like you know I was we were both kind of just staring at each other like he was looking you know for like what he could do to let me know that he was you know he he could you know, he was grateful for what I gave him. And I was also, you know, semi expecting that, like, you know, I just gave you some change, you know, where's, you know, where's my reward now? You know, I just paid you for your expression. I just paid you for your thank you. And that day, like, I think I was kind of convicted about, you know, my, you know, the way that I, you know, reacted to that man that I wrote this poem called um, The Giver's Remorse. Mm -hmm. And when I wrote it, um, fast forward a couple of days, I went and I found out about the literary competition, uh, printed out the poem, had my 15 bucks, went into the um, York County Art Society, um, gave one of the guys, you know, who was there, uh, my entry fee, my information and my poem. And a few, I think it was like a, a few weeks later, either somebody called or somebody emailed me like, congratulations, you know, one of your poems was selected to re receive um like, you know, recognition or whatever. It's like they really didn't go into detail about like whether I won or nothing. They just invited me to come, you know, to, you know, hear the poetry and hear the art or, or whatever. And so I went, um, myself and my wife, we went and they started, you know, calling out names, honorable mentions and first place, second place for all of the categories. So they got to my category, which was um, adult uh, poetry, you know, with the within the adults. And um, <laughs> so we're sitting there and I remember like they called out, you know, the honorable mentions, they called out third place, they called out second place. And when they got to first place, I looked at uh, my wife and I said, um, 
babe, I think I think we're in the wrong place. Like, because they never called my name. <laughs> like, I'm so close to like getting up and walking out. Like, I'm looking at her like, okay, you know, when whoever they call, like, let's get up and go so we don't, you know, we don't look silly, you know, sitting here. And so, <laughs> but it was like first place, uh, Marquise Love, the Giver's Remorse, and I flipped. Wow. I was like, yo, and I, when I got up there, I think I I even told him, I was like, man, I thought y'all made a mistake. <laughs> it's like, it's, I had never won anything like that before. Um, but outside of that, it's just been, you know, smaller competitions, um, you know, some online, um, some that have been uh, that I've actually just walked into places and, you know, signed up and, you know, have won competitions like, you know, not necessarily slams. You know what I mean? Because I, I don't consider myself a slam poet. I rarely consider myself a poet at all. But um, I've, as far as recognition, um, I've had my, I've collaborated with artists um, within the Charlotte area. One of the things, one of the most memorable collaborations I had was with um, this thing called South End Versus. And it's something that um, the C3 lab in Charlotte was doing where they would take um, a visual artist from Charlotte and a poet or writer and what they would do is they would collab on a particular topic and they would create an, a piece from it and when they completed the piece the piece would be on the side of the c3 lab as a, like kind of like a billboard and so like if you're in the south boulevard area you would see it and i think if you go up there today to this day they still have it um where you can go and see it and what what it was what we did our piece on was a piece from um was a uh, a poem i wrote about angela davis which um spoke about natural hair in the workplace of mm -hmm. uh, mainly for black women um and also women of color but it um my wife had just dealt with something like that at the at this um at this place she was working where you know they were kind of giving her issue you know about her hair as as they had before at her previous jobs and hearing her you know um you know express her frustrations with it i wrote a piece you know with kind of a sarcastic tone you know using one of the most prominent figures to me in you know black history you know angela davis you know and I don't know if you I don't know if you have ever have ever seen like um anything as it pertains to Angela Davis but her hair is such a such a figure I guess if I can yeah. say that um and the way that she like when she was uh when she was locked up or whatever and um she walked into the courtroom you know holding up her fist and rocking this huge afro yeah and, it's how that was kind of like, you know, it just it yeah. said so much. It's, it had so much power behind it that I wrote a poem. Um, and in that piece, I, it was a very short poem. And it was uh, it was I basically said, um, Angela Davis is not welcome in corporate America. We do not have room for the revolution taking place on her head. Hmm. And the uh, we created this piece, this beautiful piece. And I forget uh, word for word what the. Um, what the judges or the people that were, you know, the committee that um, got to okay your piece. I forget what they said um, uh, verbatim about the piece. But one thing that I do remember is that they said that it was one of the most, um, not necessarily controversial, but in a sense, it was one of the most outspoken, pe outspoken pieces, which made them want to put it, you know, especially in that area, which is heavily gentrified. You know, mm -hmm. and they wanted the people within that area to see 
what was being said because a lot of those corporate heads live in that area you know and they wanted them you know to be able to see like this is not cool you know this is not okay you know for you guys to continue to you know um continue to to to, to separate you know or or misunderstand you know this culture because of you have your own you get what i'm saying yeah just, yeah yeah so long story short <laughs> yeah but. well i had no idea that each time i've been in your presence i've been in the presence of such creative genius and greatness <laughs> i mean yeah. i know what i've heard from you and just been blown away but to know award you've won and that you've created this piece that I can literally go see is yeah. <laughs> just so cool because you're just so humble and I would never know if I hadn't asked you. Um, <laughs> so, and I also want to say just the way that you speak about women and particularly about black women is always so beautiful to me. Um, I, th I think it's Akimini Uwan who was wearing a shirt that said the future is black and female Mm -hmm. And, um, but when I hear you specifically, uh, seeking out black women to support financially for their businesses or for you to, um, you know, have Angela Davis and, and express the impact she's had on you. Mm -hmm. It just, it's such an example for everyone to follow, to give the esteem that black women deserve. Um, Definitely. so is I think is it's so important because like being married to a black woman being raised by black women it is so much that as a black man and I will say this um speaking for myself as a black man we've taken for granted it's like the oh man like the 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 worry you know that you know my wife endures um you know with with everything that's going on you know within society about you know kind of you know black people being targeted by you know police or you know people that just feel like expressing their their inner racism that day you know what i mean it's like it just it's 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 a it's a burden to her and i've literally you know experienced her breaking down you know if i you know if i said you know hey babe you know it's i know it's late but i think i want to run to walmart and she's nervous. She's a nervous wreck. You know what I mean? Or if I leave the house while she's sleeping, you know, and it's dark outside, it's like, you know, she never, you never know. She never knows what's happening or what could happen. So I'm thinking like, you know, you have as a black woman, you have to deal with that on top of, you know, what you deal with, you know, within society, you know, even something like, you know, people, you know, dictating your position, you know, or, or, or you know, keeping you in a certain place because they feel like you're not smart enough or or they don't like the way your hair looks or they don't like the you know the the your cultural background or they don't like your attitude that's the biggest thing they don't they don't think that you should speak that way or you come off a little aggressive and I'm like man black women have to you know deal with all this stuff they have to endure all of these things only to you know come home to you know a husband or boyfriend or whatever that you know is experiencing what he's experiencing as a black man you know and to take all of that anger to take all of that aggression and to pour it on her because he can't say anything to his bosses because if he does that's taking food out of his kid's mouth you know what i mean or taking food away from his family so it's like 
you know, black women should be appreciated. They should be uh, singled out in that sense. They should be put on this 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 throne, you know, because they are they are queens. They not and it's not just because of what they endured or because of, you know, like or they should be thrown some type of pity party. It's not that at all. It's just that they deserve it, period. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's just that's why I've been like, it's, especially in this time, because and I'm not to talk so much about it, but um, I think that within this time, black women have made it clear that, you know, they've said it to us. We don't feel appreciated, mm. period. They have said it. And that was one of the things that was least trending. Like, you know, all of everything else that's been going on right now, it's like. You know, people Starbucks is trending more than than black women are. You know what I mean? The fact yeah. that, you know, these black women have literally let you know we don't feel appreciated. And they were like, OK, well, let's let's, you know, post a few things. Let's say that we support you. We love you, black woman. And then let's keep it moving. And I'm like, that's 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 a mouthful within itself. It's like they just told you we don't feel appreciated. And your answer was, oh, I'm sorry. Let's keep it moving. Like, no. So I think that's why I've been so intentional just you know not just with my art but just who i am as a person like okay you know how can i make sure that i'm that i'm doing something opposite than what i've had what i've done all these years by ignoring what you're saying ignoring what you're expressing to me you know like how can i show you you know that i appreciate you how can i show you that you mean the world to me how can i show you that i wouldn't be here without you Stick around until the very end to hear Marquis Love perform his poem, American Misery. Well, as we were talking about your art, have you seen any evolutions to your art over the years? Oh, man, so many, so many evolutions, so many changes, so much growth. Um, mm -hmm. I, let's see. So when... Like I've I've always rapped, I've always loved words, I've always loved music, and um, there came a time, um, actually about about seven years ago, when I would, and this is what's funny about these 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 transitions, this evolution is that it's it's like it's it's like literal seasons, like you can't wear uh uh. A jacket like a trench coat during the summer you know what I mean like you can't yeah. you're gonna you're gonna burn up like and you can't wear you know short sleeves and you know shorts during the winter you're gonna freeze so my transitions are like my uh, my evolutions always come in seasons so within particular seasons um like I said about seven years ago I was trying to you know stick with the music thing like I kept trying to push the music thing so hard but nothing was coming. It was almost like it just dried up. Like it was almost non-existent. Like you would swear that I had never written a verse in my life or I had never sang a song. It was just, it was, nothing was there. And so I was like, okay, well maybe I just need to travel a little bit. Maybe I need to go out of town. Maybe I need to hang around, you know, uh, different people. Maybe I need to see something to try to, you know, pull inspiration from there, but it wasn't coming out in song. It was coming out in verse. Like I started, you know, writing, that's when I started really focusing on spoken word and poetry and so on and so forth, because it was that was the time for it. That was the season for it, which it had never been up until that point. And um, 
this the it's the same thing with you know uh this year well actually about a year or so ago um before grave robbers when um i was struggling to write poetry i could i didn't even want to perform anymore like i would go into open mics that my my friends were having and i would literally hide in the back so they wouldn't point me out you know or call me wow. on stage wow. like because i had nothing to say like i i hadn't written any poetry i couldn't like nothing was coming from me and i was so frustrated by it like you know that there was nothing there until i tapped into visual art and i'm like oh okay so this is the season for that like and i coming up i've always um i was always taught to look at um to look at forms of art as if, um, you know, God was speaking through you, you know, like, um, like I was talking earlier about, you know, sing, um, them singing hymns and, you know, liturgical dance. And I would always hear the older people say, you know, let, let God use you and so on and so forth. Like why they're boosting the, you know, the people up. And, um, so I was, I was taught that, you know, that this is God's way of speaking through you when you're doing, you know, when you're writing uh, songs or when you're singing or when you're, you know, doing all those things. And I realized that like the language, you know, is, well, God's voice never changes. You know what I mean? It's the language that often does. And so the, the way or the way that he's speaking or the way that God is speaking is, you know, is not necessarily bound to, this particular art form or this particular style. And I've even taken it so far as to say, this is my, my language to God. You know what I mean? Like when I'm creating, it's, it's not about how, what type of message I can convey to people, but it's more so about, you know, it's my prayer. You know what I mean? And the language always changes. The voice never does, but the language constantly does. So mm -hmm. it's like, I could be speaking in poetry. I could be speaking in uh rap music or just music in general. I could be speaking in visual art and next month I could be, you know, speaking in um, dance, you know, you never know what mm -hmm. could happen, but it's the language constantly changes. So that evolution within itself, I guess, man, I don't, I don't even know if I can call it an evolution. I just think that I've become, I've become bilingual, <laughs> you know, yeah. my, I'm my, my prayer life, my speaking is different now. So, yeah, I like how you uh, called it growth when you were, were first talking. And so acknowledging like the ways that you're just growing and your abilities to use those gifts and to, to have God speak through you and work through you. Definitely. Really, I hope all that makes sense because I can I can get really like <laughs> I, yeah. I can talk in circles. So maybe I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, no, I loved it. I loved it all. Good. Um, well, you have a community called Grave Robbers, yeah. and I want to know about the origin story of Grave Robbers. Okay, cool. So Grave Robbers. Um, <laughs> well. So last year, I'll say this last year, the summer of 2019, um, we started my wife and I, we, well, she was already getting up in, in the morning, like early in the morning throughout the week, like about four or five in the morning. And she would go work out um, with a group of women that she knows. And I decided, all right, well, it's time to try to get in shape a little bit. So I started um, waking up at about five in the morning and I will walk, um, you know, every morning. And in the mornings, I would always listen to these um, these little sermon jams. Um, well, I won't necessarily call them that, 
because it's it's not just sermons. It's also like, you know, inspirational messages from uh, people like Steve Harvey and, uh, you know, Muhammad Ali, so on and so forth. But uh, so I would listen to these uh, this, you know, YouTube channel called Inspiring Habits, where they had these um, um, inspiring little jams where they would be put over the top of music, these uh, speeches and song. And this particular morning. I was listening to um, uh, one of these jams and Miles Monroe, uh, Dr. Miles Monroe, which is um, a pastor from, um, I think he's, I can't remember if it's Barbados or the Bahamas, but um, he was preaching about uh, how the grave is the wealthiest place on earth (laughs) because he was saying that is where, um, the mo- the most untapped potential is buried and he was saying every book you never wrote every you know song you never sang every business you never started is in that graveyard like when you die those dreams and those ambitions die with you and when he said it he was like you know our our goal is to rob the grave of its potential like our goal is to rob the grave of its wealth and man when he said that it's like it it struck a chord and i swear i feel like god spoke to me that day and was like start grave robbers wow and i went straight home like i don't think i've ever i went straight home got on my computer typed up this whole uh this whole little group or whatever, you know, like I made a Facebook group. It was just a Facebook group. And I typed up, you know, what I what had just happened. Like I typed it up and I put it on, you know, I put it uh, within the group and I just started requesting everybody like anybody that wanted, you know, that I knew um, with all my, uh, you know, on my friends list. I just started requesting them. And um, from that point on, it's like I was just given, you know, uh, different things to do with the group. Because this grave robbers, even though it's only been a year, it has gone through so many transitions, um, so many different things. Started off as me just like deciding I was going to inspire people. So I got a bunch of people together and I started posting TED Talks and then (laughs) I stopped doing that. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe I need to, you know, go back to, you know, the initial plan. I was like, all right, well, let me start posting art tutorials. And then I stopped doing that. And then like more recently, I've kind of found my rhythm like as far as what I what I want to do and you know giving people the opportunity to learn from other artists like what I believe about grave robbers is that um somebody the reason is I I use it as a community or I say as a community because somebody within your community even your, your personal community has exactly what you need to to fulfill your dreams like they do and I know this from experience like if you if you're looking to learn how to paint you know somebody that knows somebody that knows how to paint and is willing to teach you and that's what i believe grave robbers is and i think that everybody has you know or somebody within your community has the key you know to help you fulfill your dreams to help you achieve your purpose to help you you know rob the grave of its wealth so that's that's my goal you know for grave robbers and that's kind of where the direction I'm, I'm working toward now is to help people get there nice yeah what narrative do you want grave robbers to help tell about artists and creating art that that artists are always learning and in need of education 
and I think that people assume that once an artist reaches a particular level of notoriety that they stop learning or are no longer in in need of education and um also that artists need community um I forget who it was I can't remember but um since starting Grave Robbers my perspective or my view of uh celebrities like particularly ones that i follow and like a lot has changed um i forget who it was that i was listening to but it was an interview and i felt like they were just saying like you know they were saying i wish i had somebody to reach out to and man it broke my heart because i didn't look at them as somebody that you know like oh this is a celebrity they should have access to xyz it wasn't any of that it's like this person as an artist or as a human being just told me that they felt alone mm. and it, it it broke my heart to where I was like, okay, it's clear that artists or just people in general, you know, uh, but for the sake of this conversation, artists need community. You need people around you, you know, to read a poem to. You need people around you to just talk to, even if we're talking about art, even if we're drawing or painting or sculpting or building or dancing, whatever it is that we do, if, if we're doing it together, you know what I mean? If you have somebody that can read over your work and not just see it for what it is, you know, but see what exactly you're saying, because I think that's the purpose of art in the first place is not just to be seen for the sake of fame, but to be seen as a human being. And sometimes the only time people will actually see you is if something is visually, you know, or audibly attractive to them, you know, like you literally have to perform your pain in order to get people to connect with you and i think that's unfortunate but it's true and i think that you know that narrative you know definitely needs to change because sometimes artists don't want to perform you know they just want to be heard and i hope that i can do that with grave robbers you know to where it's like you know i know that it's 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 about creating art but i always want to get down to the why like why did you make that you know, what were you really trying to say? You know, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think you do such a good job of that just from the open mic nights I've been a part of, of seeing and hearing people. Uh, you're just doing such an amazing job leading by example in that. Um, so I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, how can people find Grave Robbers on social media and then join and support the community? Okay. Um, so disclaimer, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be as consistent as I can, um, with grave robbers because there are so many things going on on the back end, like that I'm trying to build. So it may seem that I'm, I'm inactive as it pertains to, um, the website, but I promise you it's things going on that you can't see yet. <laughs> so, um, I will say that, but how you find us is, um, you can go to be a grave robber um, dot com. And what that's going to do when you go to that website is going to send you to our um, our Facebook page. Um, just like the page. And if you want to be a part of the actual the community um, where I'll be posting the videos and so on, um, the videos the uh, for the master classes that we hold uh, monthly. If you want to be a part of that community to, and even if you want to teach a class, all of that um, information will be on that web page. There's a sign up list. There'll be a sign up list if you would like to teach a master class, um, which I don't think I touched on either. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about the master classes? 
Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So as I was saying before, um, with Grave Robbers, I believe that, you know, with that everything that you need is within your community. So everybody that is within Grave Robbers or supports Grave Robbers, I've given them, even my closest friends, I've given them an opportunity to share their gifts um, in the form of uh, teaching. So my first master class was with a buddy of mine um, who is a music producer who actually produces for, um, I think this is the way you say his name, Blanco Brown. And um, he's a, a country artist who's doing fairly well. Like, I, I don't listen to country a lot, but my buddy was telling me about him. So um, oh, he's, cool. Yeah, he's yeah. a um, my, my buddy is a touring DJ, um, a producer and um he i asked him if he would do the master class and of course he said yes and that was my first master class was music production the one that followed that was um an acting master class led by another one of my um friends who is an actor and uh, has been on a couple tv shows as far as i remember and um then the third one which is one that will be towards the end of the month will be a class led by myself so, um, but basically the master classes are, you know, an opportunity for people within the grave robbers community to share their gifts in the form of teaching, you know, so just basically giving free information, free game to anybody that, uh, you know, that is within the community and it's free. You don't have to pay anything. All I ask is that you, um, if you could give a donation, um, to grave robbers to give to the artists that are actually taking their time out to teach. Like that's that's big to me because, you know, their time is worth something. So we want to at least give them something, you know, for what they're doing. Yeah. And you also do you've started a monthly artist donation fund for an artist within the community, not connected to the master's class, like something different as well. Right. Right. Yes, yes, yes. So um, the artist fund was something that um, was it was created. um post COVID, like it was, you know, after, you know, people started losing opportunities. Um, mm. it, I saw within my personal community, I saw within my immediate community that a lot of artists were losing opportunities. They were losing uh, commissions. They were losing um, teaching gigs. They were losing performance gigs. And it was really cutting into, you know, them being able to pay bills. So I was like, yeah. well, you know, I'm technically losing a little bit over here too, because I, I lost, I think two or three opportunities. Um, you know, which is funny how they actually came back to me, but I, that's a whole other story. But um, I, I noticed that and I was, you know, trying to figure out how I could give, you know, those artists or at least help them out, you know, uh, financially. So all I did was I just uh, posted on Instagram, which you could follow us there too, at BA Grave Robber um, on Instagram. But I posted on Instagram, you know, that you know I, I was accepting donations for the art for um artists and that you know every month we would give you know we would select from artists within the community and give them you know whatever we collected that month and so every bit of money every bit of the funds that we collect um through the artist fund go to the artist um we don't keep any of it um the only time we actually hold on to any funds is when you send us uh well, it's through Cash App, but when you send us the funds and, uh, you know, let us know that it is for the support of Grave Robbers, that's the only time we hold on to it. But other than that, anything that goes to the artist fund is for the artist. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's pretty much what motivated me to start it was COVID, the losing opportunities and me just trying to figure out a way to help. I love that so much. Just your heart for people and desire to 
be able to give to people when you see a loss of income during this time. So that's a really beautiful thing you're doing. What is your hope as this narrative about artists and creating art is broadened? I hope that people, um, people begin to, you know, ask questions, you know, ask more questions. Like don't, don't just look at the art or the thing that you're experiencing as something that is just, that only holds entertainment value. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it's a person that is, you know, an artist, you know, a creative or whatever is, is a person that has literally, you know, decided to be vulnerable by exposing their art to you and sharing their heart, like sharing their truth with you and in hopes, you know, not necessarily that you will understand it, but more so that they can be heard, you know, and I think that, you know, that's one of the things that I hope, you know, uh, uh, changes, you know, the narrative about artists that you stop looking at them as something that's so distant and separate from what you are. But to understand that, you know, these artists are exactly like you. They're not over emotional. They're not overreacting. They're not, you know, there's nothing weird or strange about them. You know what I mean? This, mm. These are people that are creating, you know, to and this may not be the same for everybody, but it's the same for me. And it's the same for people that I know um, they're creating, you know, to live not just financially, but to literally stay alive, because if they keep this stuff bottled up on the inside, you know, it could do more damage, you know, than 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 I'm sure they could even, you know, express. So I, I just want artists to be seen or viewed as people, you know, to to, you know, if you see if just to look at their work as more than just something to, you know, that looks pretty, but ask questions, start talking to the artist, you know what I mean? And if you notice something that may be off about a particular piece, or if you notice something that may be off about a particular poem, like if they invite you into that space to talk to them, talk to them, you know, because they're not just saying this stuff, you know, to, to woo the crowd. They're actually letting you know something. Yeah. So what is one action that people listening right now could commit to, to bring this hope to fruition? Um, just that, you know, just, um, just basically doing doing exactly what the artist is doing for you you mm -hmm. know if they're if they're sharing their art with you if they're being transparent and they're being vulnerable with you you know start some dialogue get get in get into convo with them you know if it's about you know you could start talking to them about their art but also talk to them about who they are get to know them as uh, as a person um mm -hmm. not to get away from that one thing that um i remember telling my wife uh that my hope has always been even since I was younger um was that I could actually have um a relationship with a person that and it wasn't always based on what I could do or provide artistically cuz and to add more clarity um to that every most of the relationships or bonds that I've had have been with people that you know um have are you know have a particular goal that they're trying to accomplish in music or you know in poetry or whatever and so i play a part in their lives simply because of what i can bring talent wise mm -hmm. so i would literally have to write exactly how i'm feeling 
you know, in a verse in order for them to start asking questions like, oh, man, I didn't know you felt that way. Well, I tried to say it to you, you know what I mean? But yeah. you wouldn't hear it. So I literally had to, you know, decorate it with flowers and, you know, throw paint on it for you to even look, look my way, you know? And I think that, you know, if I'm saying this, then I can't be the only one that has felt that way that, you know, they just, I think people just want to talk. People just want to be heard. People just want to be experienced as a, as a person and not just through their art. You know, and I hope that, you know, people start dialogue, you know what I mean? Stop celebritizing, you know, artists and just let them, you know, let them say what they need to say, you know, let them speak what they need to speak and ask the right questions to start dialogue. So that's what I hope, uh, is, you know, comes to fruition that, you know, artists get get what they need. Yeah. Well, speaking of artists saying what they need to say. I can't wait to get a clip of one of your pieces so that I can put it on the end of this episode so that people can hear straight from you and get to sit with all that you've said and hear a piece from you. Oh, and sure. yeah, so yeah. this has just been such an amazing conversation for me. And I am super grateful that you took the time to come onto the show and to share about your life as an artist and your background and I learned so much, but to also, yes. you know, also open up about the Grave Robbers community and your vision. And I'm just so grateful for you and thank you. And so I appreciative. I want to say this as well about you now that I'm on your platform <laughs> <laughs> for any for everybody listening. Um, Nikki is one of the most sincere people that I have ever met. She if she is if she says that she's going to do it, she's going to do it. She sticks to her words. She sticks to her guns. She's very, she's compassionate. She's um, extremely understanding and the support that she deserves. I hope that, you know, we all give in turn because like if she, if she's invited you to this podcast, that means that you are something special to someone that is extremely special. So I have to say that about you, Nikki, because you are an incredible individual. <laughs> that is very kind and I'm not crying <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank Sequina Murray for the voice clip she sent to me for the episode intro you can purchase her music on Bandcamp at bandy17.bandcamp.com her music is available on most streaming services under the name Bandy I also want to thank Jordan Lukens for his help with editing and Daniel Boland for creating the episode graphic Please subscribe and review the show, but only if you're planning on leaving a five-star review. Otherwise, you can just skip this part. You can access the Broadening the Narrative blog by visiting broadeningthenarrative.blogspot.com, and you can find the Broadening the Narrative page on Instagram by searching for at broadeningthenarrative, and on Twitter by searching for at broadnarrative. I hope that if you know and love me, you can engage with the Broadening the Narrative blog, social media accounts, and podcast, as well as any recommended resources then you can share with people who know and love you. And little by little, person by person, we can broaden the narrative. Grace and peace, friends. On the darker side of the spectrum, in a mud hut with a tin roof, there's a baby crying. He's agonizing from the pain of his worm-infested intestines. Stomach swollen like a woman eight months pregnant. Seeing this brings a tear to your eye. But suddenly... The voice of reason speaks to you. 
For just a dollar a day, you can help a child like this receive proper medical treatment and food. Compassion hits you for about 3.2 seconds. Well, that's until that 1-800 number pops up at the bottom of your TV screen. Snap out of it. We almost lost you. But seeing pictures of malnourished children in third world countries tends to have that effect on people. But no worries, no worries. Because with a couple of clicks of your remote, that'll put a spit shine on your selfishness, not your good as new. <laughs> so while we channel surf, we come across an hour-long sitcom about rich moms living the life. And that Botox-filled perceptions and cosmetic enhancements gives you a better glance at what it looks like when all you really have is money. That's all you really need, right? Right. Like, why waste time loving a husband you barely see and children you hardly know? Just charge that to your black card and count the cost later. Wow. You ever saw lives commercialized? Broadcast to the soft half of your thoughts in which they so easily make an impression because of this attractive. We gotta have it at all cost. But in all honesty, it costs more than we could ever truly afford. So we settle for those Black Friday markdowns. Park outside before store hours. Cutting Thanksgiving dinner short to get in line to fight for a flat screen you don't even need. You, us, we are devoured by our own covetous ugliness that often comes with trying to keep up with the Joneses when in reality, Mr. Jones doesn't even own his own home. Mrs. Jones? Well, she posts pictures of vacation villas she's never really visited. Hashtag lying. Okay. Trying to impress the people that are trying to impress her. Dying to remain in the lead of a race that only she's running. Buying purses worth more than a month of groceries while wearing her paychecks on her feet. And it's been proven that keeping up is an illusion wow. to keep you and I bound. Wow. America, we can't make it any bigger or faster. Quicker or stronger, greasier or healthier. You won't find your identity hidden in dietary supplements and you ain't gonna find no six pack in that Big Mac. You will not learn effective social skills from the comfort of your iPhone and divorce is not always the easy way out. America, the land of discontentment and complaints where the rich are miserable and the poor have it all. Where blue collar citizens walk a tightrope while wearing a straight jacket made of receipts, all the while trying to keep their head above water using their integrity as a flotation device. Mm. America, woe to your sense of entitlement. The joy that you search for and what you think you find it in is a lie, and it can be the very thing making you miserable. Thank you. Mm.